Christian. I am Josh Caps. This is the third episode. Super pumped, super excited. Just that I get to do this. Even if nothing, like no one ever listens to it or whatever happens with this podcast, you know, I'm just excited to come and do this. I have, I'm having a lot of fun doing it for sure. Um, definitely want to say thanks to Eli, my buddy Eli, for helping me put all this on. We're using all his equipment. He's got all the software needed to to record this and, and get it out there. And he's just been super helpful just because he's my friend, I guess. There's no other reason to explain it. But today's episode is going to be called Stop Arguing. Very interesting name. I like it. I think it's kind of cool, kind of catchy. Um, why are we calling it Stop Arguing? So I wanted to go after something that I just kind of woke up this morning and it was on my, on my mind, on my heart, thinking about it. And I wanted to go over the battle between Christianity and atheism. These two... They're both kind of ideologies if you think about it. These two different ways of thinking about things. Very big, prominent in in definitely the U.S., I'd say. Uh, I heard from somewhere that, uh, what was it? From 2007 to 2014, the number of atheists in America doubled. And that doesn't seem to be slowing down. So obviously more and more people are thinking this way. Um, Christianity's been around for a really long time. Um, upwards of 2,000 years. So... Atheism, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure has been, there's been skeptics throughout history and when it comes to anything, so I'm sure it's been around just as long, if, if you think about it. I mean, I don't know if there's any numbers or anything else like that out there. I'm sure there is. But, uh, so I wanted to look at these two thought processes and uh, being a Christian, I wanted to kind of acknowledge the atheist side of what they believe because too often do we as Christians not listen to other people's like our goal right is to convert people or to share Jesus with someone in hopes that they will change their mind and think like us because ultimately what we believe is that if you don't believe in Jesus then you will go to hell I mean that's kind of it's not the foundation of Christianity but it's definitely a big part of it I mean you know God sent his only son to die for us so that we could have everlasting life and if nobody knows about God or they don't believe in Jesus, then they don't get that, right? That's the one of the big points of becoming a Christian. Of course, with all the other stuff, in episode two, I mentioned a lot more important things that, uh, not more important, but very big things that come with being a Christian as well, other aspects of it, and that that's not the only part of it, and it's not. But that's kind of how we open up the conversation with with other people and our reasoning behind why we want other people to believe what we believe because we want them to be ultimately saved and we want them to you know go to heaven as well and you can't do that if you don't believe in Jesus. So and and then so I really wanted to get into like how do atheists think? And I've only personally had like one run in in my entire life with someone who was like hardcore atheist. And I mean a- hardcore atheist by some people call themselves atheists, but they still believe in like a higher power. They just don't want to say Jesus, you know? That's kind of what it comes down to. They don't want to admit that, you know, Jesus has anything to do with it because then you have to admit that, you know, Christianity is a thing and you actually have to be better than who you are and strive for something greater. And there's a lot of people out there that just, they think there's a higher power and they think you got to be a good person, but that's all that comes with it. But I'm talking about hardcore atheists who 
don't believe in any kind of higher power. They just, I mean, and I don't really, I didn't really know what they believed. And I kind of was like, wow, isn't it important for me to understand what someone else believes in order for me to convey a point about them, for me to be able to talk about them. Otherwise, I'm just talking from ignorance. And so I I didn't do like a ton of research. I didn't get into this, but I started watching some YouTube videos. And I just YouTubed like atheists, I think was what I first looked at. And a video came up and it was this crazy guy named David Wood. And his videos on YouTube, I'm sure if you YouTube David Wood, you'll find him. His story was pretty insane. He talks about how he's an how he was an atheist and now he's a Christian. And he goes into a lot of gritty details about him. Like, I don't know. From what I heard, it sounded like the guy was clinically crazy, clinically insane. He talked about how he didn't care about anybody. Like he had an experience when he was five. His dog died and his mom came to him crying saying, hey, your dog got hit by a bus. And he didn't care. Like he didn't phase him at all. I thought that, well, that's kind of weird. But I mean, I don't really give, you know, that much care towards animals. If my dog dies, I'm not going to be all up in arms about it. I mean, it is a dog. And so I kind of understood that point. You know, I did. Some other people may be like, you know, some other people love their animals a lot. And so it's kind of different for them. They they develop deep personal connections. But I've never really been like that because I've had a lot of dogs die on me. So I was like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. Then he goes in, he keeps telling these stories. And uh, turns out the guy spent a, some time in prison he spent some time in some mental asylums and in prison. And one of the reasons he did that is because for some reason he thought his, he could do whatever he wanted, right? Cause there was no God. And if there is no God, then there's no purpose. He thought, of course, and I get that thinking. And he went as far to say like, he could just do whatever he wanted. And he ends up, one thing he did was bash his dad's head in with a ball ping hammer. I'm not joking. That's what this guy said. He could be lying. I don't know, but this is this is his story. It's on YouTube. You can go check it out. So he bashed his dad's head in with a ball ping hammer, and he he describes it like watching the blood flow out. It was weird, super weird. And um, so he went to jail for that. You know, believe it or not, and he ends up in jail. And he makes this friend in jail, and I forget his name. It was like Rick or something. And um, this guy's a Christian, and. He, of course, didn't like any type of religion and he didn't like Christians for sure. So he started like challenging them, getting up in his face and doing all the stuff. Well, they were cellmates. They ended up becoming friends, which is weird. They become friends and this, his, uh, his Christian friend, Rick or whatever his name was, would do fasts. He would fast for long periods of time going without food. And so he wanted to prove to Rick that it didn't, it wasn't God that was helping him during these fasts. It was just him. It was just Rick doing it or, or Dave or Craig or whatever that guy's name was. And, uh, so he decided, um, David Wood decided that he was going to fast just as long as his friend did to kind of like one up him. And he would do just as long as his friend did and add like two or three more days. So one time his friend does a 40 day fast because Jesus did a 40 day fast. And so he was like, fine, I'm going to do 42. And he ends up doing like going through with this and the, and the guards come in and they think that he's, he's trying to starve himself to death, commit suicide slowly. 
And uh, so they, sh- they you know, take him out of that cell and put him in a cell where he's just by himself and it's 24-hour monitoring and they're watching him all the time. And they tell him that they're going to put him on a feeding tube if he doesn't eat because he was pretty determined to, to beat his Christian friend and go over 40 days and hit like 42 days. And uh, so he doesn't die, but he's definitely like slowly rotting away basically. And um, he's got a library, he said, at his disposal. So I guess he had a bunch of books in there with him and he was reading all of them. And he wanted to get better at arguing with his Christian friend. So he decided to ask the chaplain there at the at the prison to give him some Bible studies and to give him a Bible so he could start, you know, getting read up on the subject and be able to argue with his friend and point out fallacies within his own beliefs, his friend's belief system. And as he goes through there, he starts reading and, and the scripture starts to speak to him. And and he slowly starts to doubt everything he believes. And his way of thinking starts to change. And he ends up from that, I'm sure there's more details, I can't remember them all right now, but he ends up from that becoming a Christian, which I thought was, I mean, pretty awesome story, right? Pretty good story. I was like, wow. So that was a good story of how like someone who was completely atheist, you know, didn't believe in God in any sort of way changed. But how do we talk to atheists as Christians who aren't, you know, change that are that are still in the place that that guy was probably not as crazy as that guy admitted uh that dude was pretty insane so i wanted to get a a better grasp on like what would be like a normal atheist because to me atheism has always been the, the lack of belief you know um the doubting of the existence of a god and in my experience in stories i've heard things like that um it's always been people who are mad at God about something or or mad at the church as a whole. And in my podcast, in my one episode, Public Christianity, I kind of talked about that a little bit. Like a lot of people see Christians the way they use one experience they had to kind of determine how they see Christians and God and, and the faith Christianity as a whole because they they use that one experience and they come back to it every single time. So I was, that was what I was convinced that that's probably why most people are atheists is because they had, they got a bad taste in their mouth for God. And so I, I looked up more YouTube videos, looked up some more people and I found this other guy, his YouTube channel is genetically modified skeptic. And the first video I found on him was his video when he was going, he's going through like these different types of arguments that kind of, I would say irritate him. I don't know if he used that exact you know, terminology, but he, he goes into listing all the extremely common arguments Christians use to defend their faith. And I don't even know, some of them I've never even heard of. And, you know, there's these big titles he's got listed on the screen and it's all these arguments and, and that atheists have this game that they play. It's kind of funny. It's a, what do they call it? Something bingo. And they literally have a bingo card and it has all the different, um, arguments or really, really popular statements Christians will make to defend themselves against atheism or to argue the existence of God. And as a preacher will talk, or if they watch a Christian movie, they will, they will play bingo. And every time one of those things is said that, you know, you get to put the little dot on the board. And then there's, he's also talked about some drinking games that they have that, uh, like 
um, if the person says one of those things that's on the bingo card, you got to take a shot. And he, one of his remarks is that someone always in the room says, well, I don't want to die from alcohol poisoning. So apparently to atheists, Christians are extremely repetitive and annoying, which I could see. I definitely, um, I could definitely see that like some of the things Christians say, they, they fall back on the same arguments all the time, but I think everyone does that. And I would argue that atheists probably do the same thing because there's just some root points that everyone kind of goes to when it comes to any argument. If you look at any political argument, you look at um, pro-lifers versus pro-choicers. There's, of course, there's points they all bring up just and they all have ways to refute each other. And that's why I wanted to call this stop arguing because it's obviously not getting anybody anywhere. And that's kind of what that, that guy genetically modified skeptic kind of said was that, uh, like Christians don't listen and, um, they don't pay attention to the, their opposition, I guess, when it comes to a civil debate in whether or not God is real. And because they don't listen, they always fall back on these same arguments and end up saying the same thing every time. And it's comical. And I could see that. I could see that. When you go into, when you're going to talk to somebody who's an atheist and you go in there ready to, you know, throw hands and you're only focused on bashing every idea that that person has. And every time they bring something up, you of course have a a point completely contradicting their point. It's kind of like a merry-go-round of just it's it's um you're just comparing to see who can make the other one look stupid as many times as you can. And that's fun, don't get me wrong. I love debate. Like I said, I think in my first podcast, I listened to a lot of Steven Crowder, and that guy just likes to trash people, and it's fun. It's hilarious. I get it. But as a Christian, when you're talking to somebody, your goal your goal is to, you know, help that person along and to get them to to realize that, you know, God is real. Jesus loves you and he wants to change your life and you can be more than what you are. And you're not going to convey that very well just throwing, you know, coined topic arguments at somebody and and expect them to listen to you because they're probably just going to end up doing the same thing. For every one thing you have, they're going to have something else refuting your thing. And I, I want to, after that, I kind of want to get into some more about this genetically modified skeptic guy. Um, I thought he was interesting. He seemed pretty, pretty put together. Uh, he didn't seem to make any emotional arguments at all. He wasn't getting all mad or whatever. He just, he seemed pretty sound. So I was like, well, I'm going to watch some more of his videos. And I watched the one that kind of describes where he came from, why, why he's an atheist. And I'll tell you what, it kind of hit me in the gut a little bit. It didn't make me doubt anything or doubt myself, but I definitely saw where he was coming from. So I'll share with it a little bit from memory. Um, he he was a Christian for, I think he said his whole life, you know, from birth. He was like, he grew up in the church, all that. And he wasn't just like a Christian, you know, just a run-of-the-mill guy. He said he was very involved in church, that he was a leadership in his youth group, Um he did lots of studies and was super passionate about God. He, you know, did church camp, all this stuff, like pretty big dude. And so I was like, well, that's super interesting. And then, and then he started to talk about his personal experiences with God and, uh, that he said he felt, you know, multiple occasions, several times could feel the presence of God in the room so much so that he felt like he could feel God more than he could feel other people in the room. Um, super, from what I could tell from his testimony, super spiritual, spiritual guy. 
and he went on to to go into why he stopped being a Christian. Said he got to college. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he said he got into college and, and was doing some classes and stuff and kind of learned a little bit more. No, this is what happened. Essential oils started being a thing, right? So he saw all these people he knew claim that essential oils could do all this stuff because of their personal experiences with it. That, you know, it could, he even, he went as far to say that someone told him that it could cure cancer. Essential oils could. And he was pretty flabbergasted by this. He was like, what the heck? And he looked into it and there was no scientific evidence supporting the fact that essential oils could do anything for you that, um, these people were all claiming this out of personal experience and there was no data to back any of it up. So he was extremely skeptic and was like, this is all bullcrap. And he used that same logic to go about his personal experiences with, with Christ that, uh, his reasoning was he had those, he had those supernatural experiences, but a lot of other people from other faiths have supernatural experiences with who they call God. He used the example of Muslims, uh, will have what they call a green light. And I guess, I don't know, he didn't really explain it very well, but I'm guessing that Muslims, like when they get really close to the presence of Allah or whatever it is that like a green light shines upon them or something like that. Um, he would say that was like the only example he gave as an, another religion. But then he went in to say that scientists have gone as far to, uh, reproduce these spiritual experiences through a little, it's not electrolysis, but some type of using electricity or, or some type of drug. And they, they actually scan, they've done studies where they've scanned people's brains while they're having so-called supernatural experiences. And they can, you know, recreate that same, that same brain activity. And so to him, I guess that was enough to convince him that those things weren't special that uh, those supernatural experiences came from him being in a state of meditation and that he could actually recreate them whenever he wanted to. And it wasn't, you know, a Jesus. It wasn't a God that did any of it. Um, it was himself. And that was enough for him to believe that God was no longer real, that none of those experiences were actually special, um, that it was just something that happens when you pray a lot or don't eat very often, you know, if you fast and, and you can create those things for yourself. And so he stopped being a Christian is now an atheist. And I think he said he's an atheist. He's been an atheist for about two years. I don't know what the video date was or when it came out, but, um, I sat there and I thought about that and I was like, wow, you know, he's got a point. And for you to say, oh, he has no point. I mean, it's true, but his point's kind of misplaced. And this is where I come from saying that. He put, he decided, he didn't lose faith necessarily. He decided to switch where he put his faith. He was putting his faith in God. And uh, that's where he was getting his faith from. That's what he was believing in. And he decided to change it to science. And that's when he decided no longer to believe in God. And you can see that by what changed his mind. Well, the only, from what that video, what he said was that there was no, there was nothing special about that. And he described it scientifically that they can re people can recreate that. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good, a good, you know, pivot point to go ahead and decide to switch your whole life around. You know, science, science does not exist in a vacuum. It's not the end all be all truth that we should base everything off of because it literally changes every 20 years. 
every 20 years there's some something is being debunked or something is changing because there's a new discovery and i'm not an expert i do go to a, a new mexico tech here in socorro new mexico it's a big research school um i've taken a class on this uh not on scientific theory, but it was, a, it was a humanities social studies class, and it went over a lot of scientific studies that were really, really biased and uh, kind of created their own truths, in a sense, to go with their theories. And if you think that scientific theories exist in a vacuum and are the end-all, be-all truth, then how do you argue that the Bible is not the end-all, be-all truth? It kind of comes to the thing that, you know, truth is subjective. It's anybody's truth. Because science is not, like I said, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It changes every 20 years. I mean, you look at the climate change. It used to be global cooling. Then it was global warming. Now it's climate change. It's literally changed three times. Um, You look at evolution, you know, started by Darwin. Darwin died doubting his own theory. You look at the Big Bang... There's no, I mean, yeah, they've got some, some things support the things they say. Like the Big Bang is, you know, it expanded extremely quickly and, and the cosmos went everywhere. And they kind of are able to defend that by saying, well, the universe is still expanding and we can track the movement of planets and stuff. And we can see, well, they were here and now they're here and they're constantly expanding at, I don't know, whatever rate. And they use that to support the Big Bang theory. And, um, but it's still a theory, you know, it's not a law. Um, there's things that science perceives as laws. I mean, gravity, the laws of gravity. And it's easier to kind of, like, this is the distinguish you got to make between theory and law. Like, laws, they literally affect everything we do every single day. That's why the law of gravity exists. It's because people know when you drop something, it falls to the ground. And they see it all the time. Well, the Big Bang is a theory because it's an idea of the way the universe was created but we can't really prove exactly like there's still no hard evidence to kind of prove that point other than that's the only thing we can use to explain it. And so we're going to go with that. If someone else comes up with a better theory and it's got more data to support it, then everyone's going to switch. It's not going to be a quick switch, but I promise you, if someone came up with something that was better at explaining the origin of the universe in the Big Bang, then everyone would go ahead and switch. I mean, you look at uh, when... People were starting to think that, you know, the sun was the center of our our universe and not the earth. People were mad and people were freaking out. But it turns out that guy was right. You know, um, we now know that the sun is the center of the universe. And who knows, maybe in 100 years someone decides that, nope, it was actually Pluto. Like if we track it this way, you can see, I mean, it all changes all the time. So you're going to base your entire belief system on on another system that's constantly changing, which is what this this guy did, this skeptic, this genetically modified skeptic guy. That's what he ended up doing. And uh, I don't want to badmouth the guy. I don't want to say that, oh, well, he was, he's obviously dumb. He doesn't get it. I don't think he's a dumb guy. I think he's a really, really intelligent guy. And uh, I, I think it's extremely sad that for some reason his mind changed and he turned away from God because he could have done great things in the kingdom. I mean, super analytical dude, um, super focused, pretty cool guy. Just And that was just from watching a couple YouTube videos of him. That's my judgment call. And I'm pretty quick. I, this is bad, but I'm pretty quick to judge people when it comes to things like that. Like I said, I said in an earlier episode, like 
sometimes I'll look at somebody and I'm like, I just don't like that person. Like it doesn't take me very long to just say I don't like somebody. And I wanted to go into that video being kind of on the defensive, like, okay, I need to consistently justify my way of thinking when I'm listening to him. Otherwise I'm going to have doubts. And you know what? That never happened. I didn't feel like I had to justify my thought process. Um, I don't think he's right, but because he thinks he's right, doesn't make me wrong. You know, it just means we think differently. And he was, he was willing to give up what he believed because something changed his mind. That takes a lot of guts for sure to, to have your mind change takes guts and it proves that you're definitely, uh, pretty mature. You see a lot of people that they'll argue and argue and argue until they're blue in the face and their mind never changes, even though they're obviously wrong, you know, and they're just kind of acting like kids. And by the end of it, just throwing a uh, temper tantrum and just screaming all the time. And so definitely if you are interested in what, what the other side thinks, atheism as a whole, I think this guy does a pretty good job of representing it. Genetically modified skeptic. Um, Go look at some of his videos, and and if you change your mind, then okay, you change your mind. It's no, like I said before, no man comes to the Father unless the Son calls him. It is not your job as a Christian to go out and have political debates with people and bash what you believe into their head, because even you could bash all you want till there's literally no skull left to bash, and they still probably won't change their mind. So stop arguing. Another video I got to look at and uh, not near as good as genetically modified skeptic but uh, it was Lay Devin's John Cedars video and I just remember that's what the title was or that's who put it on there so if you YouTube one of those things you might be able to find it and it was talking about like it was defending atheism of course because that's what I was looking for I was looking for people to defend atheism because I didn't really understand why they would defend something that seems so foreign and not very intelligent to me. Um, and the basis of this entire video was pretty dumb. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it used one analogy to explain why they thought or he thought Christianity is stupid. And it was this analogy. Was, they called it the memo analogy. So I'll do my best to, uh, reiterate it for you or to retell the story. Um, so imagine there's seven people and this elect electric company gives all these seven people a all expenses paid vacation to Paris, France. Not only do you get to eat whatever you want every day, you get $2,000 spending cash every single day and they all get to go on this amazing trip. So the seven people go on this trip they're in Paris, you know, they're buying Louis Vuitton or whatever, you know, blowing, blowing through this $2,000 a day. They're eating great food. And one of these guys, they are, they end up meeting each other, they end up getting a talk. And uh, one of these guys claims that he's related to one of the head directors at the electric company and that he, he then shows this memo he has. And it, it goes on to kind of say that, uh, the memo says, um, at the end of this trip, there's another prize to be one. And the prize is built upon who spends the least amount of money during this trip. And if you spend the least amount of money during this trip, then you get to win this prize, which is a home in, in the Bahamas for the rest of your life and completely paid for by, by the electric company. 
and six out of the seven people okay and on some more points that were pretty important i guess to the analogy is that this memo they can't prove that it was produced by the electric company there's no signature on it or anything they can't even prove that this guy is even related to the director and um, they go ahead and six of them go ahead and take the memo at at what it is and they stop spending money um, they hide in their hotel rooms as much as they can so they don't spend any money in order for them to win this this grand prize. And this analogy relates to the idea that atheists are the people who did not take the memo at face value and Christians are the people who did, or religious people. I don't even think it says Christians. It just says religious people. But you can kind of tell that it's talking about Christians. I mean, one guy who says he's related to the director awfully sounds a lot like, you know, a man who said he was God's son. You know, they if they were trying to make it all religions, they didn't do a very good job of portraying that point within the video. And so they use it to say that, uh, that Christians or religious people are wasting their lives away here on earth in hopes that they will inherit something amazing in the afterlife. And atheists are people who realize or just are going to go ahead and have a great time while they're there in Paris, right? Paris is, of course, if you haven't got it yet, Paris is like life on earth. You know, no afterlife, the life that you're in. You've been given this life. And one of the main points of the video was like, make the most of it. And it went on to say stuff like, be like, you know, help your fellow men and do all this really good stuff or just do whatever you want. I mean, that was kind of the gist of what they were getting at. And and it portrayed the people who were doing that as like always happy and getting on and having great lives and doing like they showed this one Asian dude giving a guy a quarter at a bus station. Woohoo. He's such a great guy. He gave a homeless dude a quarter. It was very far fetched, pretty crappy. I mean, the cinematography was great. I thought it was that was pretty good, but the story and and the very weak analogy given wasn't wasn't that good. And here's why I think that. So it's based on that this is the only you know this life. If you don't live it as an atheist, is not going to be filled with with joy, right? Because apparently atheists are the happiest people in the world, according to this video. Um, I don't know a lot of atheists that are really happy. Uh, depression is is huge, you know, in especially in the U.S. People, there's so many people depressed. You see it on the news all the time. People killing themselves, doing crazy stuff, and and I would I would go as far as to say that those people probably aren't Christians. If they are Christians, then maybe their their walk in Christianity is not what I would perceive as as optimal. Um, and the video. The video went into a lot of other things too. It went into like probability, right? Like the idea that the the chances of you actually being here right now are actually zero. Like think about it. Like the earth has to be perfectly positioned where it is. And according to atheists, the Big Bang is what set it all off, which could have never happened. So the Big Bang set it off. Somehow the earth got here. Somehow we've got trees and water and air and all this stuff just worked out. Um... Then, so that's pretty random, you know, that's a big, big chance that none of that actually works and there is no Earth. Then you get into, okay, the probability of you actually existing through uh, through birth. So you take, 
they took a little video and they showed like the the egg and the sperm and you know the millions of sperm swimming towards the egg and the one got through and that was you so the probability of that happening is pretty small like when i say pretty small i mean like extremely small um then it goes into now replicate that from every time any one of your ancestors got married or decided to have a kid or accidentally had a kid each one of those times that perfect combination of egg and sperm that ended up being you had had to be ended up being one of your ancestors had to happen and then it had to happen so many times to get to you and then it then they went ahead and said talked about evolution and like the chances of life evolving from bacteria and all this stuff so they're basically saying that the probability of anybody existing ever is zero which is completely you think about it scientifically yeah that's true but most people most christians i know would use that as a argument to defend the fact that it's not random that god is actually in charge and he's orchestrating all this stuff but they were using this as a a point to be made that you are special and that you should enjoy this one chance you've been given on earth you know and and that's what life is about that's the point of life to to make the most of life is the point of life if you do not see the holes in that I don't know. I just, it doesn't make that. Maybe it's because I'm not an atheist. Maybe it's because I'm biased. I'm sure it is. I am biased. But I don't get that philosophy. I don't understand it. The the 0% chance that you actually exist and you look at your legs right now and you do exist. What the heck? That doesn't make sense mathematically in any way. If you did anything, if you're trying to do a project and you say, well, this is a 0% chance that this is going to work. Why would you do it? Because it's not going to work. I don't get... It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't see how these people can use that as facts to back up their own argument that, okay, now you've got this life. Now do what you want with it. Then it comes to, what do you want to do with it? I mean, you've got these crazy people, serial killers and stuff, and they're murdering all these people, and then they're locking them up. And then we lock them up because they're serial killers, and it's like, well, if you think like an atheist, if you think... Like, well, that was their chance to make the most of their life, and that's what they wanted to do. Is it not survival of the fittest? Like, that guy killed all those people. They should have defended themselves. They should have killed him instead. I mean, you get into the argument of the moral compass argument, and my my uh, friend, genetically modified skeptic, that was an argument that he refuted, I guess, or was one of the arguments that he said, like, Christians use all the time. But does that necessarily mean that argument doesn't hold water? When it comes to morals, when it comes to a moral compass, how do we decide what's moral and what's not moral? Society as a whole decides what things are moral, but where did the where did they get those morals from? Why did people suddenly decide, well, maybe we shouldn't kill each other? Was it because that really early humans were so intelligent? They were like, well, if we keep killing each other, then... uh. There won't be any more of us left. I don't think that's what it was because, I mean, you look at the world wars. We Humans still continue to kill each other in mass numbers and it doesn't, I mean, we still find that moral. You just find certain reasons to do it, right? Um, I don't know. All these things, these are questions, unanswered questions that I would love to get an atheist on this show, like a hardcore atheist and ask him all these questions and have him or her ask me a bunch of questions and just let you guys, the listeners, kind of decide what you think is is real. And I don't want it to be a debate because, like I said, if we start debating, we're just going to end up, it's going to, you know, people, we're just going to argue in circles and no one's, there's not going to be a winner. And I'm not looking for someone to win. 
I'm just looking to open up these topics in discussion because it always ends up people talk and people talk, but it never goes anywhere. So is that what's just, that's probably what's just going to happen. We'll have that person on and they'll just talk and talk and talk. And then I'll talk and talk and talk. And if, if God shows up, then maybe they'll change their mind. That would be awesome to have an atheist change their mind on my podcast. That'd be sweet. But I don't think that is probably going to happen. I think that uh, they will just argue with me until they're blue in the face and I'll argue with them until I'm blue in the face and we won't get anywhere. So I think we should just do it as a discussion. I'll do my best to just listen to them. I think that'd be a great podcast idea in the future. So back to that that video, the memo analogy video. Um, I thought that was insane. It didn't make much sense to me. And so I, I went and watched kind of like a counter video. I watched a video about uh, the opposite, you know, people arguing that God is real because of all these things. And I have to say, it's probably because I'm biased, but I have to say it was much better argument. It was based on a lot more truth and a lot more fact, I thought. And it was a PragerU video, and uh, it was pretty good. It talked about how, uh, like, some Greek philosophers sometime, long time ago, came up with this idea. And the idea basically melts down to nothing comes from nothing, you know, and that, uh, if there was a big bang, then who was the big banger? You know, who started the big bang? And I've never seen an atheist answer that question. Um, I think what they, the PragerU video kind of went into what they said was the atheist answer was the, the multiverse theory and that, uh, another big bang actually started that big bang, which is our universe. And there's millions and millions and millions and millions of universes, and that they kind of like all started each other, I guess, is where that comes from. It makes no sense to me. Like, it literally doesn't make any sense. Because who started the very first one, <laughs> you know? Is it, if there's infinite many, I mean, if there's infinite many universes, right? Infin, infinity still starts at zero, you know? And I guess if you go negative infinity, then I, there's no start. I, it just, it's kind of mind-boggling, not going to lie. And I encourage you to think about that. If you come up with a good answer, that's awesome. Email me. I want to know your answer. Um, but, yeah, that's crazy. And and the guy who was doing the PragerU video said it took more faith to believe in multiverse theory than it took to believe that there's a God and he did it, you know? And maybe for, I mean, for me, that makes sense because I'm a Christian and I believe and I've grown up believing that God started everything. I mean, that's what I've been taught since I was a baby. So, of course, that's the argument I'm going to go with. If I was never taught that, and I was taught that, well, there is no God, and the idea that a God exists would actually challenge my belief system as a person, then yeah, I'm probably going to come up with a theory called multiverse theory, and it'll probably make sense to me, because the option of there being a God is, that's not the option. That can't be the option, because there is no God, and I know there's no God, right? So that doesn't, I mean, it kind of comes from what you kind of grew up believing. And then all those things play a factor with, with our friend genetically modified skeptic. That's what I get about him is that he grew up being a Christian and it just took one moment for him to change his mind. It just took, well, science, science disproves this. So I guess, I guess I can't believe it no more. Science says a lot of things. Okay. I mean, you look at uh, a gender theory, that there's infinitely many genders. I don't believe that. You're going to tell me that there's infinite many genders? That's what your scientists say. That doesn't make any sense. You know, scientists make so many mistakes all the time. They screw things up constantly. And people still take them at their, at their word. 
And I think we should be, he calls himself a genetically modified skeptic. He's not very skeptic when it comes to science, right? And so his, his own name kind of refutes his point. He's not being very skeptic. He just decided to believe it. But one thing he did bring up, that genetically modified skeptic guy that made me think, was the point, and I think I said it earlier, about like other religions having the same experiences. Other religions saying that, oh, I had a you know an out-of-body or extremely spiritual experience. And who are you to say that that's not real, right? Who do you to say that your God is the only God and... You can't if you if you're gonna go ahead and prove God based upon your personal experience. How can you disprove their God based upon your personal experience? And he's logically he's got a point. Like that's extremely anecdotal and that doesn't hold water in an argument. But again, the whole point of this podcast is to stop arguing. So we're not arguing that their point is wrong, okay? But just because they believe that their God came to them in a dream or whatever it was and you believe the same thing doesn't necessarily mean you have to believe in their God nor does it mean that your God is not real but then you would say well that doesn't mean their God isn't real either I'm gonna go ahead and say their God isn't real um it comes to a lot of different things I mean let's one of the examples he used was Muslims and Muslims follow the teachings of Muhammad well Muhammad's teachings from what I know I'm not a Muslim expert or anything but like they change a lot they change a lot throughout the Quran, and uh, or Quran, however you want to say it. Um, I'm American. I say Quran. That's what I'm going to say. Um, he goes from being this hippie-go-loving peace dude to like a war-mongering freak by the end of the Quran. And I haven't read the Quran. I don't know that for sure. I'm just going off of what I've heard from uh, other people who are pretty professional and that have read the Quran. And, and the fact that, you know, ISIS likes to kill a bunch of people and, and, you know, I went to Africa this last summer and right before I showed up, a bunch of Muslims killed some Christian there. Um, they're pretty good at killing people. That's what they do. And I'm not anti-Muslim. Like I don't want to hate Muslims cause I don't, I'm not called to hate anybody. All I'm doing is looking at what, what has happened and they, they base those actions on what they believe and good for them. Let them base those actions on what they believe. Cause that's what they believe. And it's crazy, but that's what they do. Um, just plug in the computer real quick. Okay. Uh, yeah. So getting back to that, I'm not going to legitimize that. And, and I guess you could come back and say, you know what, Josh, you know, the Catholic church has killed tons of people. Um, like the Spanish inquisition, I mean, the Catholics were good at killing people too. Uh, when it's kind of cause like Rome kind of took over the church, you know, and, and you have Constantine who decided to make it, you know, like illegal for everyone not to be Christians. Those, all those things are not fundamentally based in Christianity. I mean, you look at any of them. Can you find anywhere in the Bible that what Jesus said was to go out and force everybody to be Christians? It's not in there. People use the Old Testament to kind of go through. And while it says if if a man sleeps with another man, you should stone him. Well, again, that's that's Old Covenant. That's not New Covenant. Um, it Jesus doesn't tell you to go out and stone anybody. In fact, he tells you to, to don't point out the speck in your neighbor's eye before you pull the log out of your own. It's not our job as man to judge other man and then decide to become executioner based on our judgment. That's all God's job. That's what he does. God's going to judge all of us in the end. It's not our job to judge everyone else. Um, 
and that's kind of what Jesus changed, you know? I mean, you had these societies built up in, in the Old Testament, and the way they kept each other honest in following Torah was to have these societal standards that they set up. Well, Jesus kind of got rid of the old kingdom and brought the new kingdom, right? So these standards are now, for one, way higher than they were before. I mean, you couldn't even, you can't even look at a woman in lust because then you've committed adultery. That wasn't a thing in the Ten Commandments. That wasn't part of those 300 whatever laws that the Jews had. Again, all those laws kind of, a lot of those laws were, they're all based off the Ten Commandments, but they're kind of things that they kind of came up with along the way to keep them from doing that. You know, like don't cook a calf in his mother's milk. Well, Jews won't eat cheese on a hamburger just to avoid that they might accidentally break that law somehow. You know, and Jesus kind of did a good job of of showing them the flaws in their own logic when it came to that. Like when it came to him healing people on the Sabbath, they were like, you're working. You know, we're going to beat the crap out of you now. And Jesus was like, whatever, dude. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Jesus did not say whatever, dude. If he did, that's pretty sick. Um, so, yeah, we look at that and we use this new covenant to kind of explain why we we think the way we do and why we are held to this this new standard and we don't have to stone homosexuals in the street because we're we're forgiven they're forgiven and it's not our job to stone them we're going to let i mean you know let god sort them out i mean it's not our job and that kind of sounds bad in a way too let god sort them out cuz god hates homos no god doesn't hate homos at all but sin is sin no matter what it is you know and when an atheist comes at you and tries to uh, argue that you're immoral for thinking that, you don't be wavering on that. One thing that genetically modified skeptic guy came up, he brought up the issue of homosexuality and how atheists, it's popular in the atheist community to poke holes in, in Christian mindsets by showing them that they're immoral based upon that, you know, and he used like the LGBTQ community thing and, and how, well, but your Bible says that uh, you should go out and stone homos. And he he argued that, no, that's not true because... And he basically explained everything I just explained to you, Old Covenant, New Covenant stuff. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And But he argued that if you're pro-LGBTQ, you cannot be Christian in the sense that when you go to Paul's writings and he, he talks about it talks against sexual immorality, saying that men who sleep with men will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you don't believe that, then you're cherry picking like your what you believe out of the Bible, which I think he's right. Um, we can't, as Christians, we can't be wavering on our ideas and our mindsets and what we believe. And we should only get those things from the Bible. Um, because... What do you believe if you don't? You can't cherry pick the Bible because you end up poking holes in your own belief system and you're going to end up not believing what you believe in a little while unless you're just super stubborn. And that's okay. You can be super stubborn, I guess. But, uh, and I thought that was crazy that this guy who's an atheist was speaking for Christians in a positive way. Like he doesn't come off as super hateful or anything like that. Um, and I think that's going to bring me to my my next point, like, Okay, so what do we do now? I've kind of laid out a little bit of uh, how they think, of how other, how atheists think as a whole. Um, not as a whole. I mean, I've only looked at this one guy, but I've, from the experience I've had, I mean, that's the best representation of the atheist mindset or belief system that I've seen. 
and it was done in a very professional manner and super, super good. I liked it a lot. So where do we go? What's next from there? I mean, how do you talk to a guy like that? I mean, he said that he has Christian friends and they talk about stuff all the time, but he never changes his mind. And I really think we need to get off the point of trying to change people's minds. I don't think we're going to... Like, that's not the sole purpose of being a Christian. That's not the sole purpose of believing in God. You know, changing people's minds isn't as important as just being a good Christian. And not being a good person, there's a difference. You can be a good person and be a crappy Christian, you know. It comes, being a good Christian goes into relationship with Jesus, relationship with God, constant prayer, constant reading your word, um, and really relationship. And relationship is different for everybody. Like, ask yourself. Do I have a good relationship with the Christ? You can answer that yourself. I don't have to tell you what that looks like and what that doesn't look like because you're going to have personal conviction about it. And if you feel like it needs to be better, then do do what you think it takes to be better. If you don't know, Google some stuff. Look up some videos. Um, look up, get someone to give you some advice and and start to become a good Christian. Then then we can kind of look at talking to these people, these either atheists or whoever you're talking to, just anybody. And don't, my advice is to not rush in their guns blazing and try to change their mind because you're not going to do it. You're just going to get into an argument and you're just going to end up fighting over stuff that people have been fighting about for years and nothing's going to change. Just be, uh, I would say be a friend, you know, um, be extremely nice, extremely courteous and operate within love. If you're not operating within love when it comes to this, then you're not doing it right. I mean, arguments are great. They're fun. People love to watch them. But love really changes people, you know. Um, when you show compassion in situations that normal people wouldn't show compassion, when, you, when you're there for somebody when other people wouldn't be there for them, those things affect them. And this guy's genetically modified skeptic dude, when he said, when he was against like the personal experience aspect, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, yeah, it's anecdotal and you look at it logically and you think, well, logically, everyone, if we're basing truth off of personal experience, then everybody's truth is truth and nobody's wrong. That makes no sense. There obviously has to be a truth and there also obviously has to be a wrong. If, if you believe that, then everything's upside down. Nothing makes sense, you know, because everybody's right. The guy who, the ISIS people who chop people's heads off are right because, you know, they're, that's subjective. You know, truth is subjective. It's not subjective. It can't be subjective. In, the entire world doesn't make sense. Existing doesn't make sense if it's not subjective. My heart goes, my heart really goes out to this guy because I see him. And when you watch him, if I hope you feel the same way. It's like, I, I like started praying for him. as When I started watching him, I started to pray for him. And I was like, man, God just... I don't know how you'll do it. I don't know how you'll affect this guy, but affect him, change him, be in him, do something. Because he's literally limited the one thing that a lot of people base their entire Christian walks off of, and that's that personal experience with God. That more real than real experience, you know, the presence, the stuff that a lot of Christians freaking live for. You know, I know I've lived for it a couple times in my life that I've just like based everything I thought off of everything I thought of Christianity on whether or not God was there or not, or whether I felt him. And, and again, that's, that's not faith. And I, that's why I kind of respect this guy. Cause he sat there and said, well, 
these aren't unique. These experiences aren't unique. I did this myself through meditation and fasting and all this stuff. And so then it's not God. And I can't believe in, I can't believe in it. If it's not, if it's not real, if it's, you know, just something I did, you know, that, it, that logic makes sense to me. Um, but again, like I said, my heart goes out to the guy. I, I was praying for him while I was watching the video because I wanted to see this dude. He's a super smart guy. He could do some amazing things for the kingdom of God. And, but he doesn't want anything to do with it because he decided to change his mind because science told him differently. And ultimately, that's what it came down to in the video, I guess. And so when you go to talk to other people, if you run into, especially like an atheist or something like that, when you go and you have this conversation with them or a conversation with them, period, do not go in there ready to bash them in the head with your Bible because the word is sharper than any double-edged sword, but it does not say to stab your neighbor in the chest with your Bible and rip out their beating heart. I mean, you're not going to do that and you're not going to change anybody's mind trying to do that. And I think the this entire podcast... The, the battle between Christianity and atheism comes down to stop arguing. Let's stop arguing. We're not going to prove each other wrong or right. You're going to believe what you believe. And Christians need to focus on being Christians. And I'm not saying, like, stop evangelizing. I'm sure people go out there and they talk to, to atheists and they do change their minds and they do argue away the points or whatever. They're really good at arguing, whatever it is. But... I don't know if that's really effective. I don't know if on a whole basis, on a majority basis, are you going to change that many people's minds using that type of, you know, tactic. So I think we as Christians should focus more on doing what Jesus called us to do, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we did that, then things would be different, you know, you wouldn't have to start the conversation. You wouldn't have to stand on the street corner with a microphone screaming, you're all sinners and you're all going to hell. I mean, you just love them as yourself. So you just go about every day loving people and things start to happen. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a step-by-step -step plan to really explain how you do this. Just focus on that. Ask God to give you his eyes, give you his ears and give you his heart for his people. And then things will start to change. Um, you will, you will see changes in your life. You'll see changes in your mindset and the way you act towards people you see every day. And that will help you be more effective at like, and I don't like to use the word evangelizing because it's kind of like, like exercise, you know, it's this thing that we do as Christians and it's like a, um, an elective at school or something, you know, it's one of the options, one of the classes you can take when you go to Christian university is evangelism. You know, it's, it's an elective. It's not, you are called to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Everybody, not just the apostles were called to do that. Every single Christian was called to do that. So how do you do that effectively? Some people are given a stage. Some people are given a microphone and a podcast. Some people are given their neighbors. Some people are given their classmates. Some people are given the people they work with. It's all different for everyone. Evangelism is not this one thing that people do. You don't have to go to Africa to do it. You don't have to go to China to do it. You know, it comes down to, and how do, and then how do we do it effectively? First, you got to recognize what it actually is, and then you need to recognize how to do it effectively. And effectively, you evangelize by loving people. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? He sat with the, the tax collectors, you know, and he, and he just loved on them. 
when it came to, to the Pharisees wanting to stone the woman who committed adultery, he stopped them and he, he forgave her, you know, and he said, you were forgiven. We should do more stuff like that. I don't see why that's, why that's so hard for some people. It's probably not. Some people probably already get that point. And to me, that makes the most sense. I think you'll see the most yields that way. So I encourage you to try that in your own life for sure. Well, that concludes episode three. Um, I hope you enjoyed the content. Sorry if I went on too many rapid trails. Um, Like I said, I don't even remember what I say at the time. I just start talking and this is what comes out. If you don't like it, you don't like it. If you like it, you like it. So that was episode three. This is All Christian. I am Josh Capp signing off.